Julian Edlow here for DraftKings. The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here. And DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. Conference tournaments, Final Four, to win it all, you name it, it's all available on the DK Sportsbook app. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code ROSS. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code ROSS. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-777 or visit ccp.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort located in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario, bonus bets expire 160 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. If you'd like to make your NFL games a little more interesting, you've come to the right place. It's the Even Money Podcast with Ross Tucker and Steve Fezzik. Vegas, baby, Vegas. It is the Even Money Podcast, of course, presented by DraftKings, America's number one rated sports book app. And by the way, they've got this awesome thing coming up for the Super Bowl, DFS. Make sure you have the DraftKings app on your phone as well. Up to $55 million in prizes up for grabs. Absolutely unbelievable. He's Steve Fezzik. The only two-time winner of the Super Bowl of professional football gambling. I am Ross Tucker at Ross Tucker NFL, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, longtime NFL offensive lineman. Now I got a bunch of media gigs, a bunch of podcasts. I love it. He is at Fezzik Sports. Yes, he won the Westgate, the Super Contest, twice. And even though we had some weird issue with his audio – Steve, it was great that you made an appearance in the uh, virtual happy hour with our patrons, patreon.com slash RT Media. Thank you so much for doing that. And I'm the only one that didn't have a drink, Ross. I felt left out. <laughs> That's okay, man. That That is absolutely okay. Uh, some people, some other people don't have drinks. Uh, you know, they might hold up like a a uh, a juice or something, but not not everybody has has a drink but we do do those virtual happy hours every couple months or so so make sure if you haven't checked it out yet become a patron at patreon.com slash rt media you know we love when you retweet or engage with social media either me at ross tucker nfl or the show handles at ross tucker pod that is huge that is clutch for those of you that do that and we also post the entire episode as well as the highlight clips to youtube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL. And last reminder for this week, at least, we, we do the show year round. We have awesome guests on. We get to ask so many of your questions, probably get to a question today. If you ever have any question for Steve, there's nobody that understands the odds, the percentages, the math better than our guy, Steve. Take advantage of any of our sponsors. Heck, just get the DraftKings app or DraftKings Sportsbook app on your phone. Throw the code Ross in there. Send me a screenshot, Ross at RossTucker.com, and ask me anything you would like, which ironically, Steve, is how we're going to start today. 
We're going to get into the bets. Uh, we only had one official play. It was me. It was the Bucks getting three and a half points against the Packers. Three and a half at DraftKings. There were some people that got it at three. We got it three and a half at DraftKings. I leaned Bucks. I didn't lean Bucks. I took the Bucks two units. That came through, which is awesome, which means I'm up six units for the year. You're up five units for the year heading into the Super Bowl. So we have our own little mini race where we're neck and neck. We also hopefully will both be in the black for the 2020 NFL season, which is always a good place to be, right, Steve? It's yeah, you got to be entertained. You got to have some fun. And depending on how much money you put down, you made a little money. You know, in poker players, sometimes that play marathon sessions, Ross, they start getting really nervous the last hour, the last couple orbits when they're up just a little bit because they're thinking to themselves, wow, could I have worked for 16 hours straight or in our case, 17 weeks in the NFL and come out on the negative side? Don't want that. No, no, we don't want that for our listeners at all. But I got to ask you, and maybe we can, you know, we can get into all we're talking about the games. There are so many, and I feel like it's more pronounced in the playoffs than anywhere else. There are so many unique game situations that made a difference in the outcome of these games, Steve. Definitely the Packers and the Bucks, but I think you could argue the AFC Championship game as well. I want to get your thoughts and the math. Let's start because I saw you on Twitter at Fezzik Sports going crazy, and I knew you would at the end of the first half of Bucks Packers when it looked like the Bucks were going to punt. Thankfully, now they, they wasted a timeout that they didn't need to, but thankfully they thought better of it. And I really thought. They were, and, and maybe Kevin King did as well, the cornerback for the Packers. I thought they were going to try to throw a 10, 15 yard out in four or five seconds, get out of bounds as a second left, and then have Suckup come in and kick a field goal. No, Steve. They got the first down to Fournette. Then they went deep. Scotty Miller touchdown. And you were going crazy. I mean, if they would have punted it, and, and honestly, that's what a lot of old school coaches would do. That's what, they would punt it. Explain why that's so wrong. All right. So you got a fourth and three. I believe it was from like the 47-yard line. So at that point, there's 13 seconds left. So essentially, there's going to be time for three plays. That's pretty clear cut. So if you punt, you're going to go into half up 14 to 10. However, you got to ask yourself, it's like a chess engine evaluation. Who is winning right now? All right. And the chess will say, oh, White's winning by like one and a half points. All right. So at that point in time, if, if the, you run the engine, clearly Tampa Bay is winning. Why? Well, you're going to make that fourth down about half the time. If you make it, you're going to be more than likely right around the Green Bay 40. If you miss it, Green Bay is going to be on their own 47. So the field position clearly favors Tampa. There's going to be eight seconds left. They're the team that has the much better chance to score. So mathematically, I think that's fairly clear cut. Also, just from a terms of betting on the teams, if you bet Green Bay, you're like, please, God, punt the ball. Please, God, just punt the ball. Because it's intuitively obvious to you that you're losing at that point. And yet Tampa Bay was going to punt. They go ahead and they reconsider. They go for it correctly. 
Then they get the ball to the 39. And now here, I'm going to call out the media big time. The media is like, how can you get beat deep? This is a disaster. This is like Greg Williams and the Jets losing to the Raiders. No, it is not. It is not even close to being equal because everyone knows what the next play is going to be. It's going to be a seven-yard out pattern from the 39. They're going to advance to the 32, and they're going to kick a 50-yard field goal. And the defense has to stop that. You cannot give away a free three points. They're not in field goal range. They need seven to 10 yards to have a good chance to make it. So I'm not going to go ahead and rip on Green Bay's defense. Obviously, you protect the sidelines and the end zone. You give up the 25, 30-yard pass down the middle. But nevertheless, it's complicated because you've got to prevent two things. You've got to prevent the short pass on the sideline and the bomb. And just kudos to Brady in a situation. He read the coverage and said, you know what? They're going to make it difficult to throw that short out pattern. Huh. I'll just throw it to little old Scotty Miller deep. So just a great play by Brady, but not nearly as bad a play by the Green Bay defense as the media is going ahead and lambasting them for. It's a great point, Steve, because everybody's sitting there saying, that's the only thing you can't let them do. That's the only thing you can't. It's not true that it's the only thing you can't do. You also now look, it's it's worse than letting them get a 10-yard out and get a field goal attempt. It's worse, but you're thinking that that's what they're going to do. You're not thinking that they're going to try to beat you deep over the top and try to get a touchdown there. So, you're thinking, I think and I didn't go back and watch, you know, I was in Kansas, so I didn't go back and watch the route. I don't know if he stutter stepped. I don't know, if, you know, I don't know what happened there, Steve, but you're a lot of times they teach those DBs, you know, they're only trying to get five to 10 yards here, you know, try to be, you know, try to play it, try to play the ball. Like don't, don't, don't just give them the field goal. Yeah, absolutely. And that really, the key here is that there were six seconds and they made it eight seconds, but six seconds is an eternity, plenty of time. And, and frankly, that's my play call. My play call there is I fake the Hail Mary. I put all the wide receivers on one side, like I'm throwing a Hail Mary and then they curl one back for the 10-yard gain, and it works all the time. And I say, how stupid is the defense? That's obviously the play that you should run. Um, you know, while I'm, you know, going on rants and the like, why does no one ever just run the hook and ladder during a lateral during a regular football time? That play always works. And if it doesn't work, yeah, lateral it close to the sideline, I'll just go out of bounds. And why don't players die for the stupid um, uh, when they're going out of bounds on literally every play, Ross? Because who cares if you fumble it forward? It's not a change of possession. Ah, I'm getting off track. Let's move on. So here's a question, by the way, while you're saying that. Uh, how about the, the Rams did run the two-point, uh, the hook and ladder on a two-point conversion, you know, down near the goal line against the Packers. But you're right. I think more teams should. More teams should do it. I think you're right. Um, all right. Now let's get Steve. So that's the end of the first half. Kudos to Bruce Arians for figuring it out. Kudos to uh, Brady for throwing it deep and whatever. Nice, nice job there. Nice completion. Now we get to Matt LaFleur late in the game. Okay. By the way, I have no idea. Like two of those picks that Brady threw, I can't believe it. Like I, I can't believe he threw those two picks. Like just knowing him, I mean the first one and the third one. The second one went off of Mike Evans' hands and was a killer, but the first and the third were the brutal ones. Um, Matt Lafleur, 
there was what two minutes and eight seconds left. It's fourth and goal from the eight. They're down by eight. And he kicks the field goal. Now, I have seen, Steve, some analytics people that spit out the win probability stuff. And they say that you can make an argument that you have a better chance to win the game if you kick a field goal there as opposed to going for it, because I'm sure you'll give me the math about whatever the percentage chance is of scoring the touchdown. Then you got to get two point conversion. Then they get the ball, blah, 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 blah. Um, so is there any way to defend what LaFleur did? Was it horrendous? Or are you going to maybe surprise me and say that the math says he did the right thing? A, a curious case where the math guys say, if anything, he did the right thing, but I still think it's horrendous because it's so close to call when it comes to the math. And frankly, I think the math, the math is wrong, Ross. And here's why the math is wrong. All these analytics geeks take the last 10 years data, they chug it through their engines and they produce probabilities of victory. And guess what? It's not your 2017 NFL anymore. No one can stop anyone, especially at the end of the game. And that's why these math geeks keep putting up things like, oh, the Raiders have a 99% chance of winning this game, and then the Raiders lose. Atlanta has a 99.3% chance of winning these games, and they lose both of them. Well, how often in real life do you see less than 1% occurrences occur? Not nearly to this extent, and it's because they underestimate the math guys how proficient the offense is at being able to score even with only like 30 seconds left. So having said all that on fourth and eight with Green Bay, absolutely, I would go for it. I don't know what Rodgers was thinking, not realizing, hey, I don't need to get in the end zone on third down. The field's pretty open. Let me go ahead and use my wheels because that way, fourth and short, it's a no-brainer that we're going to go for it if I don't get into the end zone. But even fourth and eight, absolutely. And one thing I hated about LaFleur he said, well, we'd only gotten two yards the last three plays. Who cares? You've gotten like 23 points over the course of the game. You're a proficient offense against a tired defense that's injured in the secondary. It's fourth and eight. Who cares about the last three plays? And so the, the, his rationale that he had failed the three plays before I thought was really subpar uh, because clearly Green Bay had been moving the ball in the second half also. Yeah, he said we hadn't gotten any yards. Like, that's ridiculous. You're not really trying to get yards at that point. You're trying to score a touchdown. They, he was throwing the ball in the end zone. They weren't, like, trying to get yards. Rodgers absolutely should have run it on third down. I was shocked. Was that second or third? Whatever it was, I was shocked that he did not. Um, which brings up a whole other thing, that one of our patrons, one of our listeners, patreon.com slash Media. Uh, Murph pointed this out to me today, and I want to get your thoughts. Aaron Rodgers, Steve, I put this on Twitter, at Ross Tucker NFL, is evidently 0-42 in his career. 0-42 when trailing by more than a point, so that means two or more, kind of an oddly specific stat, but two or more in the fourth quarter against a team with a winning record. Because we can all remember like the clutch awesome throws that Rodgers has made where he's come up big, he's done this, the Hail Mary or whatever. But evidently, they were either tied in those games or down by one, or it was against a team that didn't have a winning record. 
Does that stat matter to you or no? That stat does matter. I hadn't heard that before. And what's amazing is Aaron Rodgers, like you said, is considered to be the greatest Hail Mary thrower in the NFL because he gets so much depth on his passes. So apparently those were against teams with 500 records or worse. Maybe so. Um, but, uh, you know, very interesting, uh, you know, with that stat. You know, another thing I wanted to bring up about that fourth and eight, when you think about it, um, you could make the case that if you don't get it, at least Tampa Bay stuck on their own eight-yard line. You need a touchdown anyways, you know? So field position-wise, you benefit greatly if you fail on that fourth down play, especially if, you you know, you get, you, you get six yards, you don't quite get into the end zone. Um, and so no one's really talking about that. But even if they get the touchdown, and I, I get LaFleur, I give him some credit. Down seven, it's a no-brainer. You go for it. Down eight, you're still down one and a half scores. You got to get that two-point conversion to tie the game. So that is a big differentiation between eight and between seven. So do you think, I mean, they obviously did the right thing, though, going for two to try to make it a three-point game. It's just interesting because, like, first of all, the kid drops it. So all they would have had to have late was the, uh, well, they would have been down five then. But my point is, the kid dropped it, but if they didn't go for two there, if they had just kicked the extra point, then late in the game, they're only down seven. Yeah, but it doesn't matter. You you go for two when you're uh, when when the chart says so in the fourth quarter, and every time it fails, the media guys love to throw you under the bus. Frankly, and this really shows, and I used to argue with people all the time. People are like, Fezzik, you're, you think you're smarter than these NFL players with and, and the coaches and management They've had all these years of experience, and yet st- magically you're smarter than them. And I'm like, you know, a sharp seventh grader is smarter than them. <laughs> it, 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 the decisions that they made for years were so horrendous. And, like, even this whole go for two down eight, which is obvious mathematically. I've been saying this for, like, 20 years. Everyone's just ignored me like that chick in um, the Trojan horse, Cassandra, you know, in Troy. She's like, the, the Greeks, they're, they're in the horse. They're in the horse. And that just wheel the horse in. No one's going to listen to you. Well, finally, the analytics people are listening. Um, all right. Then we get to Buffalo. Okay. So the final score was 38-24. The Chiefs were laying two and a half at DraftKings. The total was 53. By the way, both games went over. I I, I had said elsewhere that I would have leaned under. So I'm glad I didn't say that here on the Even Money podcast. I leaned Chiefs when it was two and a half, but I didn't pull the trigger because I wasn't 1,000% sure Mahomes was going to play. I'm a moron, Steve. I should have put the units on the Chiefs, two and a half. It was a good number. He did play like I thought he would. And by the way, I should have Chad Henney on tomorrow's Ross Tucker football podcast, which will be interesting to talk to Chad, the the Chiefs' backup quarterback, but who played big in that Browns game. But the Chiefs win 38-24. It's just crazy, Steve, that they could go eight games in a row without covering, eight games in a row where they win by six points or less, and then destroy the Bills. Like, that game wasn't even that close, 38-24. Amazing that Mahomes, five carries, only five yards. Uh, Edwards Hilaire, their number one back, six carries, seven yards, doesn't matter. Mahomes just throws it underneath to uh, Tyreek Hill, the cheetah. 
who they're protecting against the long bomb. So he throws them 10 yard passes and 50 yards after the catch, seemingly on two or three of them. And of course, Kelsey ate them up. Just those two guys single-handedly murdered the Chiefs and Kansas City. So they punt to start the, the game. Then they muff a punt. And then they don't punt the rest of the game. Uh, just a juggernaut. And maybe they exposed that Buffalo defense got to play some offenses that weren't so good. Maybe that improvement on the Buffalo defense was more about strength of schedule than about, you know, returning to how good the Buffalo D was last year. I'm telling you right now, the Bucks should play a triangle and two defense against the Chiefs. You know, the old I'm joking, of course, but double team Kelsey, double team Tyreek Hill, have the other seven guys responsible for the Chiefs nine. Now you're out, man, when they run the ball. But it's not like the guys that are doubling Kelsey and doubling Hill won't want to see it's a run and be like, okay, well, I'll go make the tackle now. But those guys destroyed the Bills, destroyed them. You know, and the problem is that the Bills recruited for speed. So Hardman and I think Pringle also are like track guys. You know, they're so fast that if you leave them all alone and you throw a five-yard pass or give those guys a reverse and you're not covering them, blink. And that's what happened in this game. That was the they had one really good rush to Hardman for 50 yards. Okay, so while we're on this topic, uh, I got to ask you, what about McDermott's two field goal choices? End of the first half. First of all, why you're throwing an out route to Dawson Knox two yards short of the first of the touchdown? I don't understand at all. But they do that. He gets tackled. So at the three yard line, fourth and goal from the three at the end of the first half. And then, by the way, they call a timeout right away, whereas they should have taken that down to four seconds because they knew they were going to kick a field goal. It's the last play. They actually gave the Chiefs time on the back end of it. And then and then their first drive of the second half, they marched down and kick a field goal. I, I thought that was even worse than LaFleur. Yeah, and it's a, a lack of understanding, basically, of – I'm going to use a chess analogy here. I used to play a lot of chess in my day. Um, if you're playing somebody – that's better than you, a lot better than you. And you play a long game and you make very conservative moves over the course of the game, you're going to lose more often than not. You play a 70-move uh, game, he's just better than you. So all things being equal, if you can make chess moves that are dangerous, that are aggressive, that are hard to calculate, that increase the variance of the game, you point your pieces at his king and you try to checkmate him and you might be able to win tactically instead of positionally. Where I'm going here is that McDermott played very conservatively and that reduces the variance. And when you're the lesser team and the underdog, you want to increase variance. You want to do everything possible to make give your team a chance to win. And that means you go for it when it's fourth and three on your first drive. You certainly go for it fourth and two and fourth and three in the red zone because you need touchdowns, not field goals. To win, don't someone I I forgot who said it, but someone once said, you know, don't bring a field goal kicker to a touchdown battle, and that's what Buffalo essentially did in this gunfight. And it, if you bet Kansas City on the money line, you are so pleased when you're seeing Buffalo kicking field goals down twelve to turn this two-score game into a two-score game. Come on, do the opposite of what the opposing coach wants you to do. What about? Uh, when they went for two down 17, Steve. Is that the right move? Doesn't matter. Um, but you're going to have to go for two twice anyways. You know, what does it matter if I go for two now or if I go for two later? So mathematically, it's actually correct because you want to know whether you're going to make 
your two-point conversion. So the math says if you kick, you go down 16, then you got to go for two twice and get it both times. So at least if you go for two and you don't get it, now you're like, okay, now I need even another score, and you can start doing your onside kicks even earlier. So it actually is mathematically correct. Got it. Okay, good to know. Um, before we get to an email question, anything anybody needs to know right now for Super Bowl betting? Obviously, next week we'll make our official bets. We'll make our prop bets. There's always good prop bets out there. They're not out there yet, but they will be for next week. You usually clean up on those. It'll be our last uh, bet week of the season. Hopefully, we, maybe we can even finish in the double digits. That would be awesome. Is there anything people need to know right now, though, Steve, that might be like tempted to try to place a bet between now and next Tuesday when we record? If you're going to bet Tampa on the money line, I think you got to pull the trigger now plus 150 if you like Tampa for two reasons. One is I do think that this spread, which I would call 3.1 right now, it's three, but there's extra big, a little extra big in Kansas City. I think it's going to trickle down to a solid three. So I think you're going to see a little professional money on Tampa. However, in the Super Bowl, the one thing that you can count on almost every year, this is a strange phenomenon, but it always seems to happen. The betters, the recreational betters like to play the underdog on the money line. So if they bet the favorite, they'll lay it with the points. If they bet the underdog, a whole lot of um, betters that normally aren't big betters take the underdog just to win outright. And what happens is that you typically get lower money lines than what you would get in a regular season. So a three-point favorite usually would be minus 160, take back plus 140. In a Super Bowl, it'd be more typical to see that same three-point favorite be like minus 152, take back like plus 135 on the very same point spread. So I don't think you're going to do better than plus 150 on Tampa Bay. If that's the bet you want to make, bet it now before the public who backs Tampa, who the public that chooses to bet Tampa, bets them on the money line. Right now on the money line, Tampa is plus 148. They are getting three and a half points at minus 121. The Chiefs are given the three and a half at plus 100. But if you're taking uh, Steve's advice and you like the Bucks on the money line, plus 148 is where they are right now at DraftKings. We do have an email question from a listener. I love these. Let's get to it. Ever wanted to ask a professional sports better a question? It's time to Ask Steve. Ooh, I like that sounder. Ask Steve. Professional better. All right, Ross, I really enjoy your podcasts. Great discussions about sports, excellent guests. Even though I don't gamble much, I especially like even money. It's a different way of thinking about the games, and I like the math. Which brings me to my question for Steve. Could he explain the math and the analysis for when to try to middle a bet? If that's not the right term, I mean, when you do something like bet the same game over 44 and under 47 to try to win both on 45 or 46. Is this something Steve does often? And is the way he thinks about it different for point spreads and over-unders? To be in a position to do this, you had to place a bet you like in the first place. And I'm curious about when you'd want to give that up. Thanks and keep up the great work, Bill. Yeah, so middling, oftentimes what happens, I have a bet I really like. So I go ahead and make it. And 
it can be what they call the square side or the public side. So last week, a good example would be the Tampa Bay Green Bay total. So the first half opens up. There was 24 is first half. The game's 51. And I went and bet both of those, gave them out to my clients, the over 51. And then all the money is on the overs. And then by the time kickoff comes around, though the first half totals 27, the game totals 53 and a half. So at that point, if you want to go ahead and play back some of your bet, talk about a nice middle over 24, under 27 in the first half. You know, I could say, hey, I really like both these bets. What was interesting about that, and I didn't hit the middle, and I did bet both of those, Ross. Think about how good I'm looking. It's at 24 points, and it looks like Tampa Bay is going to punt at the end of the first half. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to win my under. I'm going to push my over. Now, little Scotty Miller rewrites that script, and uh, it winds up going to 31 end of the first half. And even at the end of the game, you know, it's sitting on 51, and it has a I'd certainly a chance to land 51 until, of course, the two field goals here late in the fourth quarter. We will dive into all the DraftKings prop bets, uh, the DraftKings line, make our official plays one week from now. Super Bowl 55. Cannot wait. If you want to make an early bet now, head over to DraftKings, and they got some awesome stuff on the DraftKings app, the regular DFS app. Check that out as well. Check out Steve on social at Fezzik Sports and only at Fezzik Sports. Except no imposters. I'm at Ross Tucker NFL. We are at Ross Tucker Pod. Good luck, everybody. Hope you guys win some money. Thanks for listening to the Even Money Podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, the Fantasy Feast, Business of Sports, and the College Draft. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found.